about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to the Rob Fay Nation podcast. An extension of Rob Fay Nation Radio. A new way of enjoying sports. Each week, Vancouver-based sports brought to you from a different location. Please be warned. This podcast will be monitored by those looking to tear down. We will rise above with fresh content and a new perspective. Rob Fay Nation. Rob Fay Nation. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. There is an old saying that if you can't spot the idiot in the room, then chances are you are the idiot. I'm Rob Fay. Welcome to episode three of Rob Fay Nation podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe, please like, please review, whatever it takes. We got to try and keep building this thing up. Now, the reason I started with that is because the last couple of shows. I have come in extraordinarily hot, too much energy, screamy, yelly, and I've always said this to people that I work with, listen back to your stuff, make sure that you're engaging, but more than that, not just from your content, but from the way that you sound. So I'm going to try and dial it down a little bit. I know the music just a couple of seconds ago doesn't help because you want to come in hype, you want to come in excited, but at the same time, I want to have a conversation with you, and your feedback over the first two weeks has been staggering. I'm not ready for it, to be honest with you, because in radio, it's a little bit different. Like, you'll get your people that text in, you'll get the odd email, but realistically, in this platform, where it's a little more personal and you get to say things that you don't get to say in regular standard media, it's a little more intimate, and I have really taken your feedback for what it is which is everything it's important because without your subscribing without your reviewing without your listening this is just an exercise that uh, not a lot of people would want to do for a long time but i do more than anything just want to make sure that you and i are connected so i'm going to make this one guest free and that's not because i didn't put in the work it's not because i didn't have time it's more because in week one i went really guest heavy as in 12 guests in an hour It was right because of what it was. It was reviewing the history of the Vancouver Canucks from a play-by-play perspective. I'm really proud of that. If you haven't heard episode one, please feel free to go back, subscribe, review. But more than anything, just enjoy that walk down memory lane. Last week was really cool because it was a couple of people that maybe aren't at the forefront. Like, for example, the cameraman, Trevor Henderson. Usually you see those who are in front of the lens. But for me, it was cool to kind of turn that camera around and focus on the guy who's usually got one of his eyes squinting, looking through the lens, making sure that he can make all those talent guys and girls look as good as they can. And also, it was really cool to talk to Cat Jamie and everything about Bryant Reeves. If you're a Grizzlies fan, that interview is something you want to go back to episode two and review as well. But this week, I wanted to make it more of what you would hear if you were listening to TSN 1040 and I was doing my late night radio show, which there will be news about coming very, very soon. Can't talk about it yet, but uh, what's the old stain? Stay tuned. Anyways, I wanted to get into this one because I think there's a lot of stuff that is now starting to ramp back up, and I want to make sure that we talk about all of it. Yes, we will talk about the Canucks, we will talk about the Wild, we'll talk all things hockey, there's no doubt about it. But I also wanted to dabble, if I may, with regards to the UFC, the NBA, and of course, I'll finish with Major League Baseball, and uh, I'll tell you what. Maybe I will start with Major League Baseball. Let's just get it out of the way, because right now, if you're listening to Episode 3, this dropped on July the 29th. It is right in the middle of what is, for me, the breaking point for Major League Baseball and what they are going to do with COVID-19. Because if you backpedal a couple of days, the announcement comes out that a 
plethora of Miami Marlins come out testing positive for COVID-19. We're talking like more than a dozen players and staff coming out. And yes, all of a sudden, Major League Baseball is in panic mode because you talk about it and you think that you have contingency plans in place. You think that you can beat this or at least stay a step ahead. And then all of a sudden it happens and you realize that you don't. So before I get into the Miami Marlins and their casting call for anybody that can throw a baseball or catch one, let's backpedal because here's the thing that baseball rolled the dice on. And I'll tell you what, it is a game that doesn't have very good odds. Major League Baseball decided that they wanted to go with the non-hub model. They wanted to try and get teams to go to different cities, play their games. Yes, the stadiums are empty and you have to be completely clear to even go into the stadiums. But the reality is you no longer control the narrative. You no longer control the environment because who knows what's coming on that plane? Who knows what you're going to come across when you go from city A to city B to city C to city D? That for me is why the hub city model was the no-brainer and it should have been the no-brainer for all of the sports for example even with the six divisions in major league baseball if you were to find a way to find six hub cities or dare we say four hub cities and realign then you would have had an opportunity and, and, and again yes i know that major league baseball did to some extent realign control your environment and in covid 19 that is the entire game there's nothing else and it's why the NHL is going to succeed. It's why the National Basketball Association is going to succeed. It's why MLS was able to weather the storm and still get games in. What baseball is doing right now, in my opinion, is too much of a dice roll. There's too many variables that you don't control. And if this was a regular go around, then no problem. Roll the dice. But when you're talking about a pandemic that the entire world is looking in on, and not just people from abroad, your sponsors are looking, your fans are looking, your owners are looking, your players are looking, the association is looking, is in the players' union... Everybody is waiting to see how this shoe is going to drop. And right now, Major League Baseball is just walking this unbelievably unnecessary tightrope to try and get to the other side. Now, what's on the other side, you say? It is the golden egg. It is the money that is due to them if they can get these games from the networks. And yes, money talks. We all know that does. So as I look at a team like the Toronto Blue Jays, who of course for what was it like a full week they were looking for a home because first Toronto got the denial from the federal government, then they couldn't get it done in Pittsburgh, then they couldn't get it done in Baltimore, so they eventually find a way to get to Saline Field in Buffalo to play a handful of their games there. A lot of people will say that that's a black eye on not the game, but perhaps Canada, that Canada is a bit of a burden when it comes to baseball. But you know what? I would say absolutely the opposite. I would say that I couldn't have been prouder that the government, the federal government, decided to step up and say, no, we can't have it in this method. Maybe if the Blue Jays would have come at them in a different direction, they would have got a different result. For example, the government was okay with them doing their preseason there because it was contained, because they had their own bubble and they could control the narrative, they could control the environment. Imagine the Miami Marlins were to come into Toronto. And this is where I'm going to get a little more heated because the Miami Marlins reportedly decided as a team whether or not they were going to play their game later on that night. Imagine finding that you had multiple players and multiple staff in your organization that had tested positive for COVID-19 and you rolled the dice. You sit around as a team and you say, you know what, we're going to tough it out. We're going to fight our way through. We want to get this game in. You don't get that luxury. 
you don't get the opportunity to turn around to those who don't even know that you've tested positive and say, you know what, we felt that we could play. We felt that we were good to go. Other teams had to cancel their games. The Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Yankees had to postpone multiple games because of the decision of Don Mattingly and the Miami Marlins. That should be suspendable. There is no way that that's the narrative that you want going public. That, yeah, we're going to get some positive tests back, but instead of nipping it in the bud, we're going to let our players decide. We'll let the manager have a closed-door meeting to figure out what they want to do. You test positive, you stop in your tracks. You test positive, and you shouldn't be able to play games. And if it screws up Major League Baseball, well, you shouldn't have done it in the first place. Maybe you should have done what the other leagues are doing. Maybe you should have had a hub city. Maybe you should have a hub arena or a stadium in this example where you can sit there and say, you know what? We have checked every single box. We all passed the test. We can play. Miami's going to get on a plane and go to a different city? Or Miami's going to welcome another team? Come on, man. Baseball has screwed this up. And they might still get their season in because, again, the golden egg awaits. But it has been a very tumultuous first week of Major League Baseball, and i got to be honest with you. As a guy that has been involved in baseball for a long, long time, I don't like the way that it looks. Sure, maybe they do get to the finish line, but it's been greasy, it's been dirty, it just feels grimy, and it doesn't feel like they're doing it for the right reasons. You know what? Cool. You got your games in. Here's your money. But did you put your players and coaches and staff's health first? Doesn't feel like it, does it? The one sport that I am very intrigued to see is how the National Basketball Association plays their games. Because let's remember something here. Of all the different sports right now, this one has the most intimacy when it comes to player proximity to each other. Yes, in hockey, there's hits, but you got to remember, there's a little bit of padding, there's a little bit of jersey, there's, a, a, as crazy as it sounds, basketball with its sleeveless, sweaty look is really right there, right for the picking if you're the coronavirus. No, prove me wrong. So wouldn't this be something if the NBA was to come out and say that it was mandatory that you at least had a mask? I think there's going to be certain players that want no part of it because obviously you're breathing, you're running, mask impedes that. I understand both sides of this argument. Even though right now they are handling the coronavirus fantastically within their bubble, I mean, you've got to remember where the NBA is right now. The NBA is in one of the hot spots globally and yet right now, knock on wood, they're holding their own. It's fantastic to watch. But it is one of those few sports where the contact is so aggressive. You're playing at a high speed. You're sweating. It just looks like this could be trouble. But yet at the same time, because they've got everybody in their bubble and everybody's testing negative, they might be able to get this one through. Major League Baseball, for my money right now, has done, in my estimation, the worst job. And I would say that the NHL has probably done the best job. The NHL, even without having played a game right now, and again, we'll talk about the physical contact, the NHL has done a great job, and this is before they sent their teams to Toronto and to Edmonton. I want to say it was about, what, five, six weeks ago, I came out on social media and I said, just so you know, and again, not everybody would want to bring this up if it ended up being false, but a lot of people looked at my Twitter account when I came forward and said that the Las Vegas area was one of the two hub cities, and it was a lock. And then I went into detail, and I had reporters and everybody from Las Vegas calling me and texting me and DMing me. I had people from the national media across Canada saying, are you sure? Where did you get the verification of this? I said, I stand by my story. Vegas is in as one of the two hub cities for the National Hockey League. So 
Now everybody starts scrambling around, well, who's going to be the other city? Will it be Chicago? Will it be Columbus? Will it be Toronto? Will it be Edmonton? And Vancouver even at one point. And I sit back as now all of a sudden the NHL has not gone to Las Vegas. And I still stand by my sources. I still stand by that story top to bottom. Vegas was in. Vegas was in financially. This was a done deal. But then all of a sudden, Corona spiked, combined with the fact that somebody down in Las Vegas had tested positive and died. And all of a sudden, the F&B industry, the food and beverage, the service industry, for lack of a better phrase, was up in arms. The union was getting involved. The lawsuit was filed. And I think the NHL at that point, when you combine the spike along with the potential of a lawsuit and maybe having to cross a picket line, that and it all happened within a week or two, was too much for them to say. So, reason I get into this without, you know, just saying that was right, that was wrong, is because now all of a sudden you look at the NHL, who was ready to go, who had money across the bow, taking it back and going to two Canadian cities that could not only handle the wave of players and the wave of hockey that's about to hit them, but could handle their curves at the time and still look to be, knock on wood, are able to handle what is, uh, again, going on around the world. The NHL and Gary Bettman take a lot of heat for a lot of things that they do wrong. I think they have fumbled and bumbled through their concussion situation. I think they have fumbled and bumbled through player safety off and on again. But when it comes to how they have handled COVID-19, how they have handled their selection to their hub city, the time that they took to make sure that they could make the right decision, actually having the guts and the nuts to go and say, you know what, Vegas, sorry, we can't do it because of the changing circumstances. And to get this situation right, you have to tip your cap to the National Hockey League. They have done a tremendous job getting it to this point. I know there were some naysayers out there that thought that maybe the National Hockey League wouldn't even get to Game 1. Well, they're going to get to Game 1, and they've handled it brilliantly. You look around at the different leagues, and I'm not just talking about the North American League. You look at the World Leagues, how the Premiership is doing, how baseball in Korea and Japan and Taiwan have been able to get through. There is a way to do it. You can do it. But you have to do it right. You can't cut corners. You can't rush it. And even though hockey looks as if it's going to ramp up for its 2021-22 season in, what, December? That's fine. Because eventually, you'll be able to get back to the quote-unquote way that it was when it comes to your scheduling. But for now, you bump everything back. You make sure that your players and your staffs are healthy. And you make sure that the fans can get what they want. I have loved how the NHL has handled their situation. Want to switch gears and talk a little UFC. Now, if you're not a UFC fan, bear with me. It's only going to take two to three minutes. But I do love getting people up to date with what's going on in mixed martial arts. And and we're just going to talk about some of the primetime players because Habib looks like he's got his next fight. And it's against Justin Gagey on October the 24th. That is a very big fight. Because Nurmagomedov basically said, listen to Justin Gagey, go fight Conor McGregor, and if you beat Conor McGregor, then you and I can get it on. Justin Gagey said, no, I want this fight. Now, you got to remember, there is a link between Habib and Justin Gagey. They run in similar circles. So while Connor cools his heels, allegedly retired, isn't it funny how he's retired a couple of times? Nobody really takes it serious. The reason I bring up the retirement of Connor, hold that thought. These two are going to fight, be it Habib and Justin Gagey. And if Habib wins, he wants, here comes another name out of retirement, George St. Pierre. To which Dana White has said, you know what? Maybe we can make that fight happen. To me, GSP doesn't need that fight. Habib? 
doesn't need that fight either. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's a big payday. Maybe it's cool to see George St. Pierre, GSP, come out of retirement one more time and take on one of the best. And believe you me, Habib Nurmagomedov is one of the best in the history of the MMA. Doesn't matter about the weight divisions, the way he fights, the way he's been undefeated as of this conversation, he's really second to none. He is truly one of the icons. And yeah, I know he got into the whole thing where he jumped out of the octagon and started taking punches. And he hasn't exactly been an altar boy, but he has been really one of the icons. But I just don't know if I find that fight as sexy now as I would have even two years ago. I mean, you got to remember this, and this happens in different sports. For example, you want this fight. Like, remember when it was Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather, and we finally got that fight down to Las Vegas? But a lot of people kind of looked at each other and said, cool that we're watching this, but would have been cool if we could have seen this five years earlier. That's how that fight would feel to me. To me, when it comes to Habib, the fight is Justin Gagey. If he gets out of that fight, he's going to be lucky, because I'll tell you this, as much as, in my opinion, people don't put enough respect at the feet of Habib, Justin Gagey is the one guy that I think right now in that division could legitimately beat him and I don't want to say make him tap, but probably get him on the numbers. Gagey fights similar, but yet so very different, and I'm super intrigued. Dana White has made a couple of really good fights over the last couple of months, and I expect things to continue. He understands right now that he's actually got a huge focus. There's a lot of people right now that are starting to say, you know what? with sports just ramping up, that Dana actually had it right before everybody else. Because Dana never stopped. Remember Fight Island? Remember when that first came out and everybody thought that it was ludicrous? Well, I hate to say it, but Fight Island doesn't look like such a bad idea. And the way that you look around right now, everything from Whitaker versus Till that just happened on Fight Night to what is laying in the cards on the other side of the month in August. I mean, there are some very good things on the horizon. And Dana White has been able to keep his brand, his sport, at the forefront with some big-name fights. I've been super impressed by what Dana White has been able to do. Want to circle back to the Vancouver Canucks, who of course are getting ready for game action. And one of the storylines that I've been super intrigued by, no, it's not Louis Erickson, no, it's not Brandon Sutter, Michael Furland has really been something that I think a lot of us is kind of locked in on. And the reason that I bring it up is because I think Furland's story is a lot more than just Vancouver. It's a lot more than just his health. I would go as far to say that the National Hockey League is watching Michael Furland because Let's not forget for the last couple of years, several years now, pending lawsuits, situations where you look and you're like, oh boy, that's a PR nightmare waiting to happen. Michael Furland is one of those rare players who a lot of people said maybe he should retire. I mean, when Michael Furland last went down and then when he tried to come back and couldn't come back and had that relapse, I think there was a handful of us in social media that were kind of like, you know what, if he does retire, I'm good with it. I get it. It makes a lot of sense. But the fact that he has gotten to the point where he is going to be a part of the conversation in the bubble, he's not on the outside looking in anymore. And you can sit there and you can poke fun at Michael Furland for the game that he has or the game that he doesn't have. Maybe it's changed. Maybe it hasn't. The fact that he has gotten back to this point is really something that you've just got to respect. Now, further to that, he's a guy that a lot of guys in the locker room like. I've heard that from multiple people, that he is a I don't want to call him a glue guy, but a guy you know has got your back. That, to me, is something going into the postseason. We've got to remember, not a lot of Canucks have postseason experience that you are going to need in droves. You need that guy, a little bit of toughness, a little bit of grit. And Fernland has come out publicly and said, when I get into the postseason and when I finally get my leash taken off from around my neck, I'm ready to rock. That, to me, 
you got to respect. But the reason I want to just pull the lens back a little bit here is the National Hockey League needs a poster boy for somebody who can come back, for somebody who, uh, you know, maybe was written off from a concussion perspective and then fights his way back so that the National Hockey League, and I know I make them always sound so scandalous, but they need some good news stories when it comes to concussions and the fact that you you can still play and you still can compete and you still can play in an elite level. So although it is a very subtle move when it comes to Michael Furland getting back into the Canucks lineup. It is something that I think the NHL is definitely taking at least a, a peripheral look at because they want to make sure that they can sell the fact that uh, it is not impossible to come back from a concussion. The other thing that I do want to bring up, and I just touched on it seconds ago, is the lack of experience with the Vancouver Canucks. Now, in certain situations, I would say, yeah, it is probably a disadvantage for the Vancouver Canucks right now to be going into the postseason with so many of their roster players not having gotten to the second season. Don't get me wrong. There's a couple of guys that have held. There's a couple of guys that have held the Stanley Cup up over their head. But when I think back to what this season looks like, this season really is so unexpected. And I mentioned this in last week's episode that you can take a lot of your numbers, not all of them, but you can take a lot of your numbers and just put them off to the side for a little while. And the reason is, I don't know how many people can say, here are the stats coming off of a three and a half, four month break. Here are the stats coming off. Of, I mean, it is just so unique a situation that I just don't know if even having a, a little naivete the way that some of the younger Canucks might have, that it's a disadvantage. I truly feel like this, and yes, it's going to ramp up really quick. Jim Houston a couple of weeks ago said, trust me, they're going to go from 0 to 60 in the blink of an eye. But I sit back and I say to myself, here's the one thing, that if you are young and hungry and naive and healthy and have had time to rest, that maybe it won't even register until you get to, dare we say, what, the, the conference final? I don't know. What do you think? You can hit me up on social media, of course. I am always checking my Twitter, at Rob Faye, which is R-O-B-F as in Frank A-I. Let me know what you think. Is this year really different from every other year? Because I think that it is. I honestly believe that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the Canucks don't have experience. It doesn't matter that, that they're younger than some of the other more experienced teams. I mean, don't get me wrong, if they're playing St. Louis at some point, yeah, there's going to be some challenges there because certain guys still fresh in the memory that they know what it takes to get those 16 victories. That said, I truly believe in 2020, because of everything that we've gone through, because of the craziness that we have had to deal with with this pandemic, that it is all bets off. That if I was Las Vegas, and I know they take bets on everything, I wouldn't take a bet on this series between the Wild and the Canucks. I don't think all of the conventional wisdom and all the conventional numbers mean much. Right now, it's just going to be their best against our best, and we're going to let it ride. Same's going to happen with Toronto. Same's going to happen with all the teams that are in the postseason, the second season. And finally, somebody said to me the other day, are you going to talk about the draft? And I'm not. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to say that the Canucks season could be over in a week like I said a week ago. I would rather just sit back and enjoy the process because you know what? It goes back to what I said just a couple of moments ago. The NHL did this right. They did a great job. And now they're going to be able to reap some of their reward. 
by having games on television that are going to probably be wildly watched. I mean, as much as we sit back and dabble watching baseball games, and, and for the record, may I finish by saying that having Buck Martinez and Dan Schulman as your one-two punch for Blue Jays baseball, you should thank your lucky stars as a baseball fan that those are the two that you get to listen to on a daily basis. I mean, I, it's like... I can't even put it into words. It's like having one and one A. I mean, Buck Martinez for me, sorry, and now I'm off on a tangent. Buck Martinez is the best wingman that I think anybody in baseball could have. And that's a part of the reason that he broadcasts the World Series. And Dan Schulman, for my money, is right up there. He's on the podium of best baseball broadcasters on earth. I love the fact that he's Canadian. I love the fact that he's got that big old deep voice and has connections to Vancouver. But anyways, very quickly, just to get back to hockey, all I will say is this. Enjoy this. The NHL has earned this. I hope their ratings go through the ceiling. I don't care that it's at the competition. I just want everybody to enjoy this process. And my fingers are crossed that the Vancouver Canucks have a nice, long, deep playoff run here where the players can get some experience. Maybe we dance with visions of holding the Stanley Cup up on Robson Street, of course, six feet apart. But most than anything, just smiles that we get a chance to watch the National Hockey League and the National Basketball Association and, well, even for a little more, the MLS and, of course, Major League Baseball, who, as much as I rip, I still love them. It's still my sport, and I look forward to seeing how the Toronto Blue Jays fare. There, I got through a whole half hour of not talking about Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s weight. I got through a whole half hour of wondering why Charlie Montoyle has not fumbled his bullpen. Or actually, no, he has fumbled his bullpen. But yeah, like I said, we're taking deep breaths. We're going proof positive as opposed to proof negative. I will be back next week. Every Wednesday, please subscribe. Please review. Please like. I need these things right now. We've got a lot of great things coming up. We will have a couple of guests next week. And when I say we, I'm talking about you and me. A couple of great people that are going to stop by this podcast. We're going to chew the fat on all things sports. But today, it was just you and me. We're just shooting the breeze as you're driving around. Or maybe you're at work and you're checking in just to see what this show's about. I love doing multiple sports. I wish I could sit here and give you 60 minutes of the Canucks, but it would make my eyes bleed. So I want to make sure that when you check in at Rob Fay Nation Podcast, you get a little bit of everything. So again, we covered the NBA. We covered the UFC. We got into a little bit of baseball, the pros and cons of what they're doing right now. We talked about the NHL, and of course, we focused on the Vancouver Canucks. For me, that is 30 minutes well spent. Until you and I do it again in, uh, gosh, seven days from now, I'm Rob Fay. Have yourself a tremendous day. Have yourself a tremendous week. More than anything, stay safe. Thank you.